World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. This is episode 198 of Creepypasta, Creepypasta podcast. I'm your host, Jeff. Uh, we're, we're really ramping up to the finale here. Uh, I've brought back um, presumably one of your favorite guests. Hopefully. I don't actually know. I don't care what you people like. I have one of the people I like. One of my favorite guests uh, to discuss one of the, I guess, big recent Creepypastas. Uh, we're recording in the same room, which is also unusual for this show. Uh, I can count maybe on, on both hands the number of times I've recorded in the same room with someone. Uh, so it's very unusual. This is not my usual, um, workflow, but we're gonna, it's a special occasion, the end of the series. Please welcome back to the show, Alex Capello. Hi, creeps. And we are here to discuss the Patient That Nearly Drove Me Out of Medicine, uh, I believe credited as The Patient in, on the, the uh, what is it, Creeps McPasta or Mr. Creep? No, Spooky Tales for Dark Nights or Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Scary Stories Told in the Dark, that's the one. We got it. It's on the Simply Scary <laughs> Podcast Network with Chilling Tales uh, for Dark Nights. There's a lot of these, and they're all dumb and bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, this story was fine. It was, what, like six hours long? Yeah, it was. <sighs> it's really, really long, and apparently that's going to be my lasting legacy on Creepypodsta, is just obnoxiously long, long stories. stories. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple guests who are like, oh, we did a long one again. Great. <laughs> uh, I I think that getting the long ones out of the way is good for how we're doing it now, because I'm just doing, like, one per guest for the last seven. So it makes sense. Uh, so this story was posted to the No Sleep Forum, where it no longer lives because it has since been optioned for uh, movie adaptation by the studio headed by Ryan Reynolds. Um, so, I mean, I'm presuming that's why it's not on Reddit. There was not really any explanation in the comments. It was just not there anymore. But hopefully that's the reason. Hopefully that's the reason. Uh, it was optioned, and, uh, tell us about it. It's kind of a long one, so we can definitely skip around, like, thematically at least. Yeah, it, it's a super long one. So the story is basically narrated by this guy named Parker and takes place right after he graduates medical school and starts his residency at this understaffed medical hospital that he only chose because it was like close to where his fiance was still going to school and they didn't want to be apart. Oh, love, cute. Um, so this particular psych ward has one patient who is only referred to as Joe, no last name, no nothing. And pretty much everyone on staff is told to told to avoid him, not really told to have contact with him. Only specific orderlies and nurses are allowed to interact with him. And Parker just gets into his head that, like, I can cure this man. 
yeah, he has that sort of like new to the workplace, like, oh, I'll solve the unsolvable problem. Yeah, that that adorable arrogance of people in their early twenties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like a resident here, and he he eventually um like starts asking around, and everyone's like, don't don't like bother. Uh, and then he goes and finds the file on the guy. Yeah. Um, which he has to do in a convoluted way. Like he takes a day off and goes when like it's a different guy. Uh, and cause the people normally there are like, I'm going to give you that guy's file. He's like the, our bad patient. Uh, so he reads through the file and he discovers that this person has been here since he was a child. Uh, and I'm like at this point thinking, okay, so this person made a creepy pasta out of the movie Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a real Michael Myers. He's all the doctor's notes are like he's pure evil. I'm like okay. Uh and the sort of impression that we get is of either a like child psychopath um or I think it's even being hinted now that like maybe he makes the people around him crazy. Yeah, there's there's some notes that are like, oh, well, he has these symptoms, like, he's just suffering from night terrors, but now he's nonverbal, now he's hyperviolent and, like, physically attacking people, now he's psychologically attacking people and trying to prey on their, like, weak weakest moments and their deep traumas, so it's... There have been, like, several diagnoses diagnoses for this kid, but it seems that every time a diagnosis is made, his symptoms kind of change or mutate or evolve into something else that makes him just that much creepier and that much scarier for other people interacting with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, there's one nurse who's very old, and she's been there forever, and she's the one who has to go give him his medicine every day. Um, and... I think it's right after he looks at the files. She jumps off the roof of the hospital. Yeah. Um, but yep. very fun thing about her in my notes, um, her accent goes away <laughs> when she's calm, and this wasn't just the person reading it. Like, the text of the story specifically yeah. states that, like, as she calms down, like, her accent becomes less pronounced. Like, what? <laughs> that isn't how accents yeah, she's, work. She's like a deep Irish immigrant from back in eons ago. She and like played it only by Gary comes Oldman? out when she's Is like that... freaking out. Yeah. It's it's very unusual. It it like I don't know. I why? <laughs> it's the first moment in the story where I was like, Well, why is that detail in there? Bad it doesn't Yeah, it doesn't become relevant <laughs> later. Um Anyway, that she dies, uh, and that's very bad. Um, and then he goes to the chief of medicine. It's very convoluted to get to this point, but he eventually goes through the chief of medicine, Dr. G. G, right. Dr. A was the previous chief of medicine and Joe's first doctor. Yeah. Um, which we learned a little bit about in the files. Dr. G was... Um, Joe's doctor later, and she survived a suicide attempt after treating him, and is now the chief of medicine. Um, so he gets he go he gets like summoned to Doctor G's office, I think, right? 
Yeah, he he tells the the attending on the floor that night, like, hey, I just want to help and bring Joe his medicine. And the attending's not buying it for a second. He's like, listen, you're overqualified to be here in the first place. Why do you just want to help out and bring Joe his medicine? You have an angle. So apparently anyone who gets it in their head that they want to try therapy with Joe has to have an interview with the chief of medicine, in this case, Dr. G. Yeah, individually approved they have to be. So um, they, the Dr. G is like, I already knew that you were looking in his records. I have all the record keepers are like, they alert me, like they call me as soon as uh, as soon as anyone looks into his file. That's not his real file. Here's his real file. Uh, and what's really weird to me is the first thing Parker does isn't go and read the entire new file. Correct. The first thing he does is decide to go and talk to Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, he, the Dr. G approves, and so he's going to start doing talk therapy with Joe. Uh, but first, she demands to know his greatest fear, which he says because um, he had a, a pet drown when he was a kid yeah like in a river and he couldn't help he says his greatest fear is being able being unable to help people who need his help um so she's like okay cool and i believe that any reader at this point in the story is like oh okay so he manifests your greatest fear that's like his thing right uh and how is he going to manifest that and I enjoyed the story and how it progressed, despite the fact that it's extremely predictable. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, again, somewhat predictably, he goes in to talk to Joe before reading the extended file and, like, listening to the actual audio tapes that are included in, like, the real file. And Joe is like, dude, I'm sane. They've just all been keeping me here because my parents are rich and it's guaranteed income for the ward. I'm as sane and as lucid as can possibly be. And I've tried to get out of here any number of times, but every time I try, something happens and they stop me because they can't lose the income that I represent. Yeah, and it's, uh, if you saw the... I think Steven Soderbergh movie, Unsane, that came out like a year and a half ago. Uh, it's pretty much the plot of that movie. Uh, it's a real thing that also happens, I think, in... Which is terrifying. Yeah, in hospitals where they'll trick you into being involuntarily committed and then never give you the approval to leave. Um, although... They do stress that Joe is voluntarily committed, and since he is now over the age of 18, he could just leave if he wanted to. Anytime. Anytime he wanted. But no, somehow, not possible. Yeah. Um, he's treated as if he's criminally insane, um, which he's not. This is, like, not a high-security facility. Um, the... Talk therapy seems to go pretty well. Dr. G has been monitoring it, though, we find out later, because the first session was so long, and Parker didn't seem upset after it. Yeah, he seems perfectly normal, which later on Dr. G marks as, like, completely unusual, given all of the previous interactions Joe has had with his attending physicians. And because of his conversation with Joe... 
Parker becomes increasingly paranoid after yeah. all this, which is kind of fun. So he starts noticing, like, Orderly is following him, and, you know, he's not sleeping as well because his childhood nightmare about his dog keeps coming back mm-hmm. now. And he's kind of falling more and more into this state of, like, emotional and low-key psychological paranoia and duress. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, like... It's really interesting the way it all plays out because you as the audience are caught up a little between like, well, this is like what the boogeyman would do and the other end, which is it's like maybe it is true. Maybe he is sane. Um, But then Parker and Joe, well, Parker plans Joe's escape. Um, And then when he goes to execute the escape plan, He's, like, is he sedated, like, with a needle, or is he just, like, bonked over the head? He's just bonked over the head, because one of the orderlies who he thought was following that actually was following him under Dr. G's orders, because apparently that's just standard protocol with doctors who are treating Joe, um, he kind of fakes like he walked away from Joe's room and instead is just waiting outside the door the whole time, and when Parker goes to begin phase one his amazingly stupid escape plan uh the orderly is there and just like hey we're gonna go have a talk with dr g bruh yeah and it's um it's really weird because dr g doesn't seem upset and then dr a like steps out of the shadows and he's there too and he's like actually i've been treating joe the whole time i'm still his, <laughs> i'm still his doctor and it's really you were never his doctor yeah. you can't handle the truth <laughs> it's so weird like it, it's supposed to be this big shocking reveal and it's like okay but like i knew something was up <laughs> so you never retired okay fine you're all a little bit arrogant as you know doctors sometimes are and y'all think that you're the only ones that can solve this ultimate psychological puzzle. Yeah, and Parker, at this point, demands answers. <laughs> He's like, you need to um, you, you need to tell me what's going on here. And, like, he's very forth, forth, forthright about it. That's not the right word. But he's, like, demanding. He's like, give me answers right now. And Dr. G's reaction, for some reason, is shocked. Uh, I put in my notes here, why was Dr. G so shocked about Parker demanding answers? She's like, like jaw open, like mouth flapping, shocked that he's like, hey, what's going on here? I have a feeling, the way I read it, she was like shocked about the way he was demanding answers and like potentially even shocked that like he didn't have an inkling about any of this to begin with because... This kid's supposed to be, like, the next prodigy of the ward, basically kind of like how... Dr. G was when she first started at the ward, you know? Maybe th- maybe, uh, maybe I gave them an ungenerous read uh, for, the, for the story. Oh, no, I tend to be, tend to be too generous in my reads <laughs> sometimes, so... Yeah, I, um, I was just like, no, that seems like a reasonable reaction for him to have. Yeah, especially, like, you find out, like, you've been basically a pawn in a continued case study that's been happening over decades. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty pissed off, too. Yeah. Um, one thing I do like about this is neither of the doctors seems to be thinking, uh, 
they're not jumping to, oh, this is supernatural. They're like, there's something neurologically up with him that gives him, like, super empathy, but also, like, the ability to manipulate people's emotions. Yeah. Um, Instead of being like, well, he's possessed by a demon. Um, (laughs) But our genius young doctor is like, hmm, have you considered... But maybe he's possessed by a demon. No, what if he's possessed by a demon? Um... Because he has all these things, like, uh, when he first came in the first time for the Night Terrors, he was very afraid of bugs, but the monster in his Night Terrors was a bug. But, like, when he was treated to, like, defeat the monster, so to speak, he didn't react like he would if it was something that he was just naturally afraid of. Yeah, because Dr. A told him, um... The monster's... It's part Part of of you. you. It's not, you know, it's part of you. It's part of your imagination. And, you know, typically somebody who is afraid of bugs would be like, oh, God, the bug is part of me? Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, like, he comes back later, and he's not having the night terrors, and he doesn't seem afraid of bugs, and he's just, like, assaulting doctors and patients alike. Yeah. And they seem to, for some reason, keep rooming him with other people. Yeah, that was when the hospital had budget cuts. So, you know, one of the kids chawed, chewed through uh, leather restraints and then threw himself out a window and bent iron bars to get out. And it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre um, the way this hospital treated the patient, even though he was also lying about... Like, being sane. Yeah. Like, the, this person should not have been in this. Like, in real life, I would hope that they would not be in this situation. Um, it's... So, at this point in the story, we're, we're past any pretense that Joe is sane. And, like, we heard... Joe gave, like, a smile and a, an evil de- demonic laugh at the, the end of the the failed escape plan. Um, and then with the confrontation, everything's explained to Parker, and what's next? So now Parker, because he's on this crazy supernatural tirade, demands, like, just give me, like, a day or something. Let me go talk to Joe's parents. So for whatever reason, Dr. G and Dr. A actually agree to this, which is the part that kind of confuses me the most. Like, did did no one else think to interview the parents previously in depth or go to the house? But for whatever reason, Parker's allowed to go to Joe's childhood home where I guess his parents still live. Yeah, uh, Parker's fixated on this nightmare. He's like, if I can see where the nightmares happened, maybe something in the environment triggered this condition. Yeah. So he goes out there, it's like, I have a feeling this takes place someplace in, like, Rhode Island or something, because this all sounds very, like, I think they mentioned it being New England. Yeah. So, like, you know, really, this community of just mansions everywhere, and there's security at the gate for the house, and this long drive, so, you know, you think of, like traditional gothic novels like Jane Eyre, those kind of settings, like really isolated. And he gets to the house, meets Joe's mom. Apparently Joe's dad is dead and has been dead for like 10 years or something. Yeah. Um, Oh, one of the things they've been suspicious about is that um, maybe Joe was being sexually abused by his father. Yes. um, Because of some of the like imagery of his monster. Um, But now that 
sort of theory can't really be explored because Joe's dad is dead, but he go on. Yeah, so they're having they they have a brief conversation in the living room and you know, it's kind of like uh, apparently Joe's dad was a fan of hunting for sport and he's got stuffed busts of all sorts of animals all over the place and like above the mantle or something there is this disgusting head of this insectoid creature which is apparently uh, a piece of artwork that they commissioned from a sculptor when Joe was having his night terrors because they thought, like, oh, no, Daddy hunted and killed the monster for you. Yeah, this There's is... There's its stuffed head. Oh, this is the craziest <laughs> thing. Of all of the possible ways to treat your child's <laughs> night terrors, hiring a, like, very skilled, like, special effects sculptor to make the monster physically <laughs> real seems like the worst possible yeah. idea. <laughs> The only way it could have been worse is if they mounted this right above his bed, oh facing down yes. on him. Oh my god, yes, could you imagine? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's such a bad idea. It is the worst idea, and, like, even Parker is totally creeped out by this, and eventually, you know, he's just like, okay, well, can I see Joe's room? So she's like, okay, fine. Oh, and the mom's name is Martha, which anytime a mom is named Martha in anything, it just gives me a little bit of internal joy because I just go straight to Superman and Batman, and it's funny. Yeah. Um, so he goes up to I the room. I don't know that name. <laughs> Still have not seen that movie. I think that's the only don't, Batman don't movie I haven't seen. Don't do I it unless will. you are incredibly inebriated on something. It's two and a half hours long. Like, I watched Suicide Squad. That was a trim two hours that was not worth it. It was worth it. I was drunk when I watched it, so that made it okay. I don't know if that's even possible for Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman doesn't have Margot Robbie in it, so it it's not worth watching. <laughs> I mean, Gal Gadot is like... And she's, she's only in it for like half an hour. And she's barely in it, though. Justice, she made Justice League pretty tolerable. I still had to watch Justice League drunk. Uh, I saw it. that in the theaters. Ooh! Did you know that movie cost as much money to make as Avengers Infinity War? No! Yeah, $300 million to make that turd. Ooh, DC, look at your life, look at your choices. Two directors. <laughs> uh, two directors and three screenwriters, I think. Um, that boy. right there just encapsulates all of the problems. It is uh, part one of a two-part movie, and the second part got cancelled before it ever came out. <laughs> so Stephen Wolf shows up to be like the precursor to Darkseid, who will never be in nope. a Justice League movie. Uh, he'll be in Ava DuVernay's New Gods movie. That one will probably be pretty good. Okay. Um, but it's just so weird. It's like watching an extremely expensive pilot to a TV show that is the sequel to, like, three other TV shows. Yes! And then they never make a series out of the pilot. Yes! It even has a post credit scene where they introduce a famous actor as a famous villain, and he's just never going to show no, up again. ever. Oh, my God. Oh, God, it's so crazy. <laughs> that movie, like, it's... It goes right up there with like Dracula Untold as like and the and uh the the twenty sixteen's The Mummy as oh like failed God. franchise yes. starters, except it's so much worse because it didn't start the franchise. It was like the fourth movie and failed yep. that badly. It was it was really sad. Ugh. It's really sad. 
Anyway, that's <laughs> our one digression about Batman. Yes, for the just, whole just one thing. Just uh, one. <laughs> so what makes him notice the the thing that brings us to the like, climax um, of the story it's here? It's the carpet okay. in Joe's room. So the rest of the house is apparently like all hardwood, real nice, and Joe's room is the only one that Parker sees with carpet in it. And, you know, as he's kind of examining the wall where the monster would allegedly come from to torment Joe in the night, he kind of looks back towards Joe's bed and notices something a little uneven with the carpet. And when he goes to look at it, it turns out that he, like, pulls the carpet up because the carpet's been, like, torn apart in places. And underneath the carpet, there are, like, fingernail claw marks, bloody fingernail claw marks, just leading from the bed back to the wall. Like, little tiny Joe was just, like, clawing for his life so hard that he tore apart the carpet and left marks in the wood underneath. We get a moment of that, of someone dragging under a bed in uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That was fun. Yes. I Um, I actually want to see that one. It's pretty good. I was surprised. Uh, I think I've talked on this show a million times about how the autopsy of Jane Doe is, like, a recent horror movie that everyone should watch. Yeah. Same director, but doing a PG-13 children's horror movie. Okay, good. And, yeah. like, also the story of Goosebumps, but, you know, taken seriously. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same movie as Goosebumps, but it's a horror movie instead of a, like, comedy. <laughs> yeah. All a hocus pocus. It's, it's genuinely, uh, genuinely good. Maybe worth waiting if you're not someone like me who's insane and goes to the movies five times <laughs> a week every week. Um, I I haven't been to the movies this week, but maybe tomorrow. Is there anything Monday. good out this week? Uh, something just came out that I really wanted to see. I can't remember what Ooh, it was. Oh, Ready or Not. Oh, yes, that's yeah, what I was thinking that's what of. I yes. Because uh, all the reviews are like, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You get to see a bunch of rich people die. And I'm like, yeah. That's always a good time. Um, I wish I hadn't seen the trailers for that one, though, because it seems like they reveal too much. I feel like I saw one trailer and I got like a really cool Clue vibe. Yeah, from a lot it. of people said that it is uh, similar in tone to Clue, which I will enjoy immensely yeah. because I loved the Clue movie. Yeah, that movie's great. I'm amazed that they haven't that that didn't start a whole like trend of board adapting game board games. There's been it's a, never too late. Hollywood is running out of ideas. Yeah, there's apparently been a Monopoly movie in pre-production for like 15 years that is just never going to get shot. No, I think. it shouldn't get shot. I Down with like the bourgeoisie. Candyland could be a, a Candyland good could be fun. series. I'm I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Illumination had snatched up those rights. <laughs> uh, they're probably out of Dr. Seuss things to adapt. Yeah. I think Blue Sky actually does the Dr. Seuss ones, except The Grinch. Right? Uh, yeah, Illumination and, did The Grinch. But Blue, I think Blue, Blue Sky, Sky did Lorax. Because yeah. uh, they also... Sony, Sony did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs which is not a Dr. Seuss, but it's the same art style as all yeah. those other bad CG movies. <laughs> it's Anyway, this is not relevant. So uh, <laughs> they break open the floorboards or the wall? The wall. The wall. They break open the wall and they find a kid skeleton, presumably Joe's. Yep, um, just melded into the wall. Yeah, uh, the idea being, I guess, that the monster pulled him into the wall and then replaced him, um, which is why... 
when he came back to the hospital, he was so different. Because the first time they saw him, it was the real Joe. Yeah, it was the night terrors, and that's when, you know, Dr. A was like, no, it's just a part of you. The monster's inside you. It's just your imagination. And, you know, that night when he got sent home, uh, Joe was all like, I'm going to confront the monster. This is great. Everything's going to be fine. And then presumably what happened was when he did confront the monster and told the monster, no, you're me. You can't scare me anymore because you're me. The monster was like, oh, I'm you? Okay, well, (laughs) then there can't be two of us, so I'm just going to kill you and stuff you in the wall and then assume your physical shape and be you from now on. Yeah, it's like... It, the the theory, I guess, that Parker comes up with is that this monster, like, feeds off of psychic energy in some way, so it was manifesting all of Joe's greatest fears, yeah. and then uh, took this, like, command as sort of, like, almo- almost like a, a an animal or, like, a rogue AI or something, where it, do- it doesn't really... It probably doesn't have malicious intent. It's just doing the thing that it's yeah. made to do. Uh, so that is the, the creature that has been living in Joe's cell the whole time. Which is then the explanation for why Joe's symptoms seemingly mutate all the time. So when he comes back to the hospital after this horrible catastrophic night in which the real Joe is now dead... Uh, you know, this is when he's nonverbal and can't really walk as a biped, and he's making hissing and clicking insect noises until one of the orderlies says he's been a very bad boy for kicking and hitting people all the time. And then that's when Joe becomes verbal again and starts in with the horrible obscenities and starts physical being violence. a very yeah. bad boy. He starts being the baddest of bad the boys. Baddest boy. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, it's at this point that Parker goes through and realizes that every change came after somebody insulted, uh, or, like, called the monster that is Joe something, um, and then he remembers the last thing he called Joe, which I can't remember. Uh, it was the last time he had a conversation, I think this happens after, because I think the next conversation... I can't remember the chronology now. Oh, does he have a conversation with Joe and then? I think after he comes back. Yeah, after he comes back, after he realizes that, oh god, we are really actually dealing with some sort of supernatural monster, uh, Parker has a conversation with Joe and, you know, he calls him an actual monster. And now Parker believes that Joe is a supernatural monster, which he is. Uh, which is something that people who are speaking to Joe previously haven't believed. They've just right. been believed he's the human version of a monster, like the worst that humanity can possibly be. But Parker's belief that Joe is actually a supernatural thing somehow unlocks Monster Joe's latent, shape-shifty kind of Right, he gets potential. all his monster powers back. Yeah, he gets all his monster powers back, basically. Because it's, it's about... It's like, you have to, the thing you express to him has to be something you believe, too. Yeah, because Parker also in that same conversation says, well, you're a fluffy little bunny rabbit. And Joe is like, well, you don't really believe that, so no. Yeah, um, which is why he was able to assume the form of Joe in the first place, because 
the psychology worked so well on real poor Joe, tiny poor Joe. real Joe who's dead forever. Um, so he, uh, unlocks his monster powers by accident. And then, um, what, how does the, how does it end before the little, uh, addendum? Um, basically, uh, Parker has a terrible dream one night that the river from his childhood nightmares is basically in Joe's cell and Joe's cell unlocks and the river comes rushing forth. And then the next day, Parker finds out that Monster Joe has escaped the hospital. Right. Uh, and we get a little addendum from Joe, uh, from Parker's fiance. Now wife. Now wife. Being like, everything's fine. Uh, everything's totally normal. We got married and nothing's unusual. By the way, my name is Jocelyn, but you can call me Joe. Which, that was the one part I didn't expect, and that was actually pretty great. I really hated it. <laughs> It was, is the, are we supposed to believe that the monster posted all the stories? I think we're supposed to believe that the monster posted all the stories. Oh, you know, I guess because... There's that one night... She has one sentence in the little addendum where she's like, I've been posting the stories for Parker because yep. he doesn't know how to use Reddit. Basically, yeah. And like, to shield him from any potential horrible comments from, right. you know, jerks that exist on the internet. So I guess the idea is that she changed the creature's name to be her name. Um, Potentially, yes. That, like, she had anonymized it from, yeah. from his And there's notes. also... The reason I like this is because there's also a fun implication that Parker's fiancé wife wasn't always the monster. Yeah. It's only... Because after Monster Joe escapes from the hospital, Parker's fiancé has kind of, like... A little breakdown from stress from her college courses and everything like that. And he finds her really sick in an alleyway in the city. And he says, like, you know, he calls out to her. And at first she doesn't recognize him at all. And then suddenly recognition yeah. dawns on her face. And he, like, sees the moment this happens. And the implication is kind of that Monster Joe went and killed Parker's fiance and has now assumed her identity. Yeah, and didn't actually become her fully until he looked at her and said that her name. Exactly, yeah, because there's another line in her little addendum where she's like, I feel more myself now than ever, and, you know, I become more, sure, more and more sure of myself the more time, the longer I'm with Parker. Yeah. Um, my one last note here is at one point the narrator uh, of the story pronounces the word taunt as taunt. And then I have a note that I should watch the movie Don't Look Now, but that's unrelated. Uh, But I love noticing when people misspeak in these readings. Yeah. Getting a little bit of taunt was very fun. Um, There was one, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember the word that was being mispronounced, but it was really funny. It was something like that I guess if you had never read it before, you might not know. uh, Or never heard it before, you might not know how it's supposed to be said. Um, Anyway, uh, so how how does this story hit you? I, I actually really liked this one. Occasional tropes aside, I thought it was a good ride. 
considering how long it was, I didn't really feel like it dragged in certain places that much. Yeah, it didn't waste nearly as much time as, uh, like, I, I told my best friend to ruin my life or uh, NES yeah. Godzilla, which are some of our other long ones. Yeah, it, it was good. Like, the only time wasty parts that I felt existed were, like, you know, the recaps, which were obviously, since this was posted in installments on Reddit originally, Yeah, you know, there's that little recap that always happens at the beginning of each section, but, you know, that's just a byproduct of the medium and how it was posted initially, which, you know, I can forgive all that, but, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. It had a lot of, all of the things that I like, a little occult spook, a little, you know, psych ward spook, it which, seems, classic. Yeah, it seems like it would be really a strong two-hour movie. Yeah. Let's cast it. Ooh, that's hard. I'm thinking for Dr. A, I want someone, like, old and yeah. with authority, and the yeah. two names that came to mind were James Cromwell and Donald Sutherland. I like Donald Sutherland. Once you he said that, I was thinking, like, he too. does, yeah, I was thinking, like, Jeff Bridges actually popped in my mind okay. for a second, too. If you gave him just, like, a little extra... Clean up the beard a little bit. I think that might have been who I was thinking when I was actually listening to the story because of the quality of the reader's voice. Yeah. Um, for Dr. A, I think I like... I guess my instinct is Sigourney Weaver, but I think we need, some, <laughs> I think we need someone like 10 to 20 years younger than that because she's like Yeah, because she's supposed to be in her like... Now. She's supposed to be... Dr. G is supposed to be like in her 50s, I think, uh-huh. in the story Parker mentions... So so maybe we can go for the budget Sigourney Weaver, Winona Ryder. Yes! I was just thinking that. Yes! Okay, Winona Ryder, done. And I can totally done. imagine her in, like, that perfect, you know, tied-back bun and everything like that, mm-hmm. dressed really severe and pulling that off. Uh... Parker's gotta be yeah. some young upstart. He's gotta look a little douchey, too. Yeah. I'm thinking, like... Maybe a Hemsworth? Liam? Oh, no, I was thinking someone weirder than that, like Dane DeHaan or something. Who's that? Uh, he was the Green Goblin in the second Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Um, he was also the uh, lead in Valerian okay, and the City okay. of a Thousand Planets. Yes! Um, there's another guy. in his face. The blonde guy from Bandersnatch, who was also in Midsummer. Yes! He'd be pretty good, I think. He would be pretty good. I think he's ready for a leading role in a horror movie. Yes! Um... The real question is, who do we cast as Joe? That is the real question. Does producer Ryan Reynolds step into this role? <laughs> oh my god. I feel like that might be a little bit too meta. Too on the especially, nose. Yeah, especially at this point, and like after Detective Pikachu. He has, he's been in horror movies before, at least one, The Voices. Yes. Which I didn't like. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's really weird that it's directed by the author of Persepolis. It is? Yeah. Okay. Right? Fun facts I didn't know that I wanted? Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like a movie that was directed by a woman because of how no, it hateful doesn't. it is towards yeah. women. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm thinking for Joe it's gotta be someone like that age Maybe. and quality. Yeah. Someone in their forties is really say, charming. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, Rami Malek? Yeah. But he's a little bit young, I feel yeah, like, for and that also, role. Also, I would definitely, like, if I saw him in a movie where he's supposed to be insane, I'd be like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Obviously, he's crazy. I don't think he could it's sell me. Exactly. It's I don't think eyes. he could sell me as someone who's sane. Um, 
who's I'm thinking like somebody who was in teen comedies like 15 to 20 years yeah. ago. Like a Dane Cook, but not... Right, which I guess is Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's actually... Maybe, exactly. we, could, maybe we could go for Chris Evans. He wants to He wants to direct more movies now, though. He, he, he wanted to step away from acting um, to, to direct. So maybe not him. Uh, he's also too handsome. I don't know if he could play crazy. They'd have to do a really good makeup job. They'd have to, like, him. Snowpiercer him up again. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Uh... Who? What actors are in their forties? God, that's a great question. Keanu Reeves, he's not in his forties. Yeah, he's in his fifties at least. I think he could do it though. You just have to age he Joe could do up it, a little yeah. bit. Just age, which I think is reasonable. I mean, Joe is supposed to be what six in like eighty two. Yeah. You know, so Joe is only oh god, Joe is only slightly older than we are. It's well, terrifying. Signif- he's like 10 years old. Oh, yeah, six and eight. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, okay. So My math is bad. He, tur- <laughs> he was born in 76. Yeah, um, okay. So we're looking at someone who's in his, like, early to mid-40s. Yeah. Uh, what about Ewan McGregor? He's also a little older, right? Is he's he, also a little he's older. just pushing 50 now? Yeah. I feel like all the main ones are, like, pushing 50 now. Yeah. We don't have I a think lot we just need to troll range. some, like, uh, Netflix original series at this point right. and just, we'll like, pick someone, one out. Someone who's, like, not famous. Just get, uh, like, maybe one of the actors from Orange is the New Black now that yeah. that's over. Perfect. Uh, what's the scariest part of the story? Um, for me, the scariest part of the story is when Parker's talking about his practice now that all of this is well and good behind him. And he's got, like, the kids, his young patients coming in that are all kind of, like, insinuating that they have Joe monsters haunting them at night, too. And Parker's, like, the worst thing any parent could ever do is tell their kid the monster that's haunting them from their closet or whatever isn't real. Because let's not have more of these Joe monsters walking around as humans. Yeah. Um, I think, I hadn't even considered that, I guess the, like, existential scare I just take as a given in a lot of these stories. Yeah. Uh, that they're all gonna end with that, like, ooh, but they're, what if they're, it's not over? The end, question mark? <laughs> um, so I think the, the part that hit me as scariest, um, was this sort of, turn the reveal of Joe, the Joe monster is whatever you tell it it is. Um, and then me trying to like piece together, like, Oh God, what did you say that it was that would, uh, uh, fix it, um, or break it uh, as such. Um, it's, it's such an interesting, I'm, I am concerned about the implication though, because I guess was the author careful to not have Parker ever tell Joe you're a sane man when he believed this to be true? I think so. Because if he had, would that have changed him? Would that That's have just made him a sane man? Actually, a great question. Although, I guess, really, he is sane because he's just a monster from another dimension. Yeah, he's just, he's behaving he's as insane, his yeah. monster logic dictates, you know? And he's even like, yeah, I'm. I'm not prey. I had to learn how to be prey like you. Yeah, it's 
the whole like monologue that the Joe monster gives at the end is so it's a cheesy. It's so cheesy. That was what I was thinking about with an actor is we'd have to get someone who could believably sinisterly deliver a monologue. Yeah. And a monologue like that. Yeah, there's not a lot of them out there. Nothing Actors. Like a, nothing like me has ever been prey before. Yeah. Yeah. It's movie, a hard line. This movie's not going to have the budget for Adam Driver, unfortunately. No, no, but it will not. If it if it did, he'd be no the he'd does. be the one for it. Uh, I don't know. I I he was just in the Dead Don't Die, but I mean. That had every actor in it, because yeah. Jim Jarmusch has, like, the indie cred to have <laughs> every... He could just be like, yeah, sure, Bill Murray be in my movie, and yeah. I'll do it. Um, I, it this, But this movie is definitely going to be, like, a, the type of thing that they wouldn't hesitate to pull from the schedule if it accidentally coincided with some sort of national oh, tragedy. yeah, totally. It's not a major release. Uh, it's that tier of, yeah. like, maybe it gets shelved. If, it's, if, like, just above a direct-to-DVD. Yeah, exactly. It's the type of movie where if uh, if an Avengers movie is coming out that weekend, they'll push it back six months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, which, I end up liking some of those movies. Listen, they, those are, like, the only movies that are allowed to take risks anymore. Let's, I, let's be honest. Those and, like, the cheesy ones that sci-fi produces just for their own satisfaction. Crawl was one of yeah. those. It felt, watching it, I'm like, this is giving me strong, like, 2008 straight-to-video vibes. Yes. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> this is not a movie that deserves a theatrical release, but I'm glad that I got one. Um, it's, I, I'm excited to see uh, if this ever gets adapted, because, um, you know, they option yeah. a million things and adapt 10% of them. Uh, I think that's all we have to say about this story. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, as always, y'all can follow me on Instagram at Rose underscore Lark with a C. You can follow me on Instagram as well. I'm JeffJK there. And on Snapchat, mastodon.cloud slash at JK is my main social media where I put my thoughts. Um, you should stay subscribed to the feed because the Patreon stuff is going to get dumped in here after the show's over. Um... And you should go listen to Hack the Net, my other show that I make that is going to continue to live on. Uh, we've got two episodes left after this. I only have one more to record because I've already recorded the finale as you're hearing this. Um, the finale we cover, well, we read all of and discuss Sonic.exe. <laughs> it's going to um, be so good. <laughs> it's very, boy, that story is real bad. Um, so excited. I, I have one more to record. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm getting uh, uh, like friend of the show-ish uh, who also hosts a horror podcast to record with me next week uh but i i don't want to name names in case that doesn't uh in case the plans <laughs> fall through and i have someone else uh so i won't name names but you can by when you when you're hearing this that's next week's episode so uh thank you for listening to it and since this story was not written down i don't have a final line goodbye bye <laughs>